And now for something completely machinima. Welcome to And Now for Something Completely Machinima, the podcast about machinima, real-time filmmaking, and VR. I'm your host, Phil, otherwise known as Overman with a silent Z and a silent S, but you can call me the King. <laughs> with me is my co-hosts, Ricky Grove. Yo! Damien Valentine. Hello there. And Tracy Harwood. Hello. So today, we're going to be talking about our film picks. And yeah, my favorite part of the doozies. This is my favorite part, too. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is the bit where I get trounced, usually, though. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. So how this works <laughs> is uh, typically we just kind of go out and find films on our own and, and stumble across things or we get recommendations sent to us. And we use, we use a service called Milanote, which is kind of like, it's like Evernote on steroids and it's all online and you can collect together different clips and links and notes. That's, that's, if you want to lift the hood on how this show is produced, that's how we do it. We use that to organize all that information and eventually cobble it down to a, an outline for a particular episode. Sort of like a digital so that's where we whiteboard. share links for those things. What's that? Yeah. A digital whiteboard for everybody. You put up pieces of information, you comment on it. It's very helpful. Yeah, it's been very helpful. So we're going to start off with Tracy. Uh, your pick for this month was yes. called Rick Pierce Bucket List. Well, it's by Rick Pierce, um, oh, okay. and, <laughs> and the film itself is called The Bucket List, um, and it's a, a piece that's been made in Unreal Engine. Um, it's the story of two time-traveling robots uh, with a bucket list of places to visit on Earth. Um, the theme of this holiday is a, is a man-made disasters kind of theme, um, and these two robots go through a, a whole list of um, disaster zones from Chernobyl to a, some kind of um, dead shipyard uh, to the Australian bushfires. Uh, and intriguingly, there are no people in their story, in the story. Um, the, the various dates in time suggest that people are still around, though. So it's it's not um, it's just that they're not in the in the visited location. Uh, so it's a so it's a movie with with an environmental message, um, which um, is is kind of an interesting theme, which we'll get onto a bit later on as well. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so the theme of the bucket list is is very much in the style of this sort of night this two thousand and seven film directed by uh, Rob Rayner with Nicholson and Freeman, where the interplay between these characters unfolds into into some sort of provocative form of uh, rivalry and banter between these robots. It's got some really funny moments in it. Um, been here before uh, on another themed holiday, queuing for no reason, misinterpreting historical artifacts and all those kinds of things that we do as tourists in a, on a, in a foreign land. Uh, and if we're traveling with that smart ass mate that uh, continually corrects us. So all of those kinds of um, things are going on. Um, uh, but I also get a, uh, another bit of a message in here, which is... Um, that of just traveling to take snaps um, to say you've been here um, seems to be somewhat, um, uh, well, well, I thought it was somewhat of a, of a unique uh, human tourist tendency. Um, 
so there's kind of references to that as a bit of um a bit of a pop pop at um uh, selfie culture too i think um and you know given given that it's uh, you know unreal given that rick pierce is is not an inexperienced producer of content in fact he's a co-founder of spectre studios which is a leading australian virtual production and um, design studio with a really impressive resume um you know you can expect that this film isn't uh indie sort of typical you know typical um newbie kind of quality if you like in fact the film was produced by pierce as part of his 2021 winter unreal fellowship um uh, so you know of course you'd expect things like lighting and editing to be really good uh, and it is um so yeah i really enjoyed it what did you guys think i thought it was gorgeous and uh yeah very 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 intriguing i don't know that looking at it one would know that it was real-time animation it's that level of quality it, it looks rendered if you will mm. yeah. yeah it's great yeah i, I kind of got a a Pixar kind of vibe from watching it because that, yeah. that's how good it looks. Uh, so they've done a really good job with Unreal. And, uh, uh, I was kind of reminded of people who do actually go on holidays to Chernobyl to have that you can go there. <laughs> when there's not really, yeah, you can go there and you can have a tour around and you can look around the, the ruins of the, the, the city. Um, I don't think I would personally want to do that, but I've heard that it's something that people do. And the other one it reminded me of is. People go on tours of abandoned buildings or disused um, subway stations and, and things like that. Um, so obviously, they call it robots. ruin porn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a, a is that aesthetic. a real term? Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's very much into that. <laughs> I think it's. T- I think there's a lot of depths in this story. I think. It, I think it's really very well done. Really funny. The the movie was a really interesting movie for me because I didn't like it at all when I first watched it. And I was thinking, well, let's think about that. So over a period of a couple of days, I watched it again and I started thinking and it was, it's a film that made me realize a few things. I wanted to share them with you. It made me realize why I like machinima so much because I've also been rereading your great uh, pioneers in machinima book. And so I've been thinking a lot of the early machinima filmmakers and going back and watching some of the films. What this film has um, is a kind of sheen of professionalism to it. it. There's no question. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's flawlessly animated. Uh, it uses a sentimental and very popular trope of the odd couple put together. It's Pixar-like in in that notion because that sense of humor. You've got the fastidious robot, and then you've got the sort of slow-moving, slow-thinking character that he's pleasing. The whole thing is just has got a a manufactured quality to it, and it makes me realize is that any number of good studios could make this film. You know, it lacks that personal touch that I love in machinima, that handmade quality. For example, we're going to be talking about um, uh, some other films that are made in uh, Grand Theft Auto that Phil chose uh, that have all sorts of flaws in them. 
little bits of trouble and rendering of animation that doesn't quite work. And I think that's the thing that attracts me to machinima is that crafted handmade quality. And this one seems to be a corporate manufactured item, slick, like a Gucci handbag. Do you know what I mean? And that's great. I mean, I can understand why anybody would admire that, but it doesn't work for me. I like machinima that has a personality to it that isn't generic. I like the flaws in, in a lot of machinima films. So for that reason, the film, even though it was very well made, didn't work for me because I didn't believe the story. It was too slick, huh. too sentimental, and it just didn't work. Didn't work for me. But but I, I do want to thank you for picking it though, because it led me to understand something that I under otherwise I'm not sure I would have understood. Because yeah. I really probed I really probed as to why I didn't like this film. And I think that's important. It's a personal preference, you know. Perhaps when I was nineteen I would have said anybody who likes this film is a fool. But that's the reason why I like Machinima. I like that handcrafted quality. I left all of that Pixar stuff. And it's the reason why I don't like Disney films. They're too sentimental. They're too perfect. That's not the world that I live in. You know what I mean? Do you think that's a general um, challenge that we're going to see with the Unreal creators? I do. I do. That was another. Mm. I didn't want to go into it because I didn't want to make it's a longer conversation. But all of that game unity and unreal game based stuff does flawless animations flawless rend- flendering if you look at st- even stuff made in gta still has problems you'll have a stretched uh uh material you know there isn't quite uh, the uv map on it doesn't quite work mm-hmm. so it's got an odd look to it or there's no depth of field in a shot it's all flat i love that I just love that because it shows that somebody, it's their personal story. It's not a story made by a team of professionals who've been doing it for 25 years, you know? So you found a film this week. And if I, if you had challenged me last time we got together, Phil, make a list of the machinima engines that are possible in the order that you think people will make compelling machinima in i would think animal crossing (laughs) would be way on the bottom of the list but what you found was remarkable so tell us about it wow you know i have gotten more interesting machinima films creating a individual google search do you know on google you can create a search uh with all sorts of uh keywords in it and a major search, and it will search out and deliver to you every day uh, a list of, of articles and media and stuff that, that comes up. I get a, a machinima a Google search every day, and I go th- I religiously go through all of the entries. Now, 90% of them are just useless. You know, How many times am I going to see a thing on, yes, Machinima Inc. does not withdraw all of their films from YouTube? It just, oh. But there are gems in there. And so one day, a couple weeks ago, this film shows up called Animal Crossing Movie, Part 1 by Evil Imp. Well, that's intriguing. Boom, clicked on it. Boom. 
15 minutes later, I've come back to reality from a dream. It is such an interesting film. And of course, that led me to starting trying to discover how do you actually make machinima in Animal Crossing? Well, apparently the company, uh, it's a uh, uh, PlayStation, I believe. Nintendo Switch. Anyway, one of those two. Um, they recently released an update that allowed users to be able to move the camera. Okay. It, it basically gave you machinima tools. And there are some mods that were created in order for you to create sets and, de- and dress all of the sets. And this filmmaker, a guy named Evil Imp on YouTube, has made three dozen films in, uh, in Animal Crossing using all of those sweet little characters, this cute, irrepressibly, the kind of thing where if you have uh, diabetes, you better go take some pills for it while you're watching it because... <laughs> It's, it's going to kill you with the sweetness. And yet he does that thing that I absolutely love in Machinima. He plays against the grain of the, of the, of the game. You know what I mean? What he, what he writes, he writes is dark and disturbing and hilarious, black humor. So uh, it was hard choosing uh, films uh, because so many of them were so good. But he did a trilogy of films. Um, Animal Crossing movie part one, two, and three. And there he's there's talk about him releasing a fourth one. And it's essentially four three completely different. They 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 have carryover characters, okay, and a carryover overarching plot line, but they're completely three completely different worlds that he explores. The first one is a sort of combination aliens and exorcist possession thing um the second one is a harry potter sort of thing and the third one escapes my memory what the style of it is but anyway they're absolutely delicious they're they're lit very dramatically uh, he one of the big problems and here's again uh, an example of limitation creates uh, an opportunity to create something There's no lip sync, any of them. All they do is sort of do this sort of odd little head bobbing movement, you know, and then occasional surprise or a little bubble that comes off of their head. He created an entire nonsense language that is spoken, which allows him to use subtitles. So he writes the dialogue of the characters in subtitles while this, and it's just a brilliant choice to solve that problem of no lip sync. And the story is essentially a, a story of this group of people, group of sweet little characters, including one robot, who are being pursued across these storylines by this Sauron-like character who's a big white rabbit. And I don't want to tell you, this is one of the scariest rabbits I have ever seen because this thing shows up with this lighting that's uplighting that illumines its, its face and it, and, and it, it becomes, it like takes possession over people. It shows up in unusual places and it, it turns people into sort of crazy monsters. It's hard to describe the film plot without actually 
giving away things, but I just love this film, and I'm I'm a real I'm a real uh, fan of Evil Imps uh, movies, and I would urge you to to discover somebody who can take the limitations of a game engine and the quality, the style of it, and play against it to make horror films, monster movies, science fiction films, anything you can think of that are witty, funny, and alive in every way that. Uh, the unreal uh, bucket list didn't work for me. The S animal crossing movie does, <laughs> even though there's no comparison in terms of quality of the visuals or the characters, but it has this handmade quality, this personal storytelling. And it's weird. It does get weird. Uh, that just drew me in. Uh, I've watched the, the trilogy at least three times now. And every time it's just so much fun. And he manages to put in, uh, an environmental theme. He manages to have scenes that are at times touching because once you get to know the characters, you know what their background is. So you start to feel for them and scenes that are extremely funny in the middle of horror, which is hard to do. So I hope people will love this film and I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say. Well, it reminded me of a discussion we had a few episodes ago about making machinima on mobile platforms. And mm. I think we all pretty much agree that that wasn't really something we could do. And then you discover this film, which is made on a, a Nintendo switch, which is a portable device. Uh, you can, there's two versions of it. There's one you can hook up to a TV, but you can also pull the, the tablet bit out and just play on it uh, handheld. And then there's just the pure handheld one. I don't know which one, uh, which of these devices was used for this, but as far as the game is concerned, they're identical. So you can use, just use the portable one and make something with it. And uh, that's what, it, when I was watching the film, I was remembering our discussion about it. Hmm. And it was done so well. Yeah, brilliantly. I'll tell you the one thing that stood out for me was the actual soundscape design. Hmm. Um, uh, which, you know, I was listening to it with, with headset on. But at, um, a couple of points, it's binaural. Um, so, you know, you've got stuff going on and it goes across, across you. And it's absolutely brilliantly done. The whole kind of soundscape really is very, um, very impressive, I think, mm. for um, a sort of Animal Crossing type aesthetic. I know. It's um, not what you expect at all. And it is quite scary in places, I have to admit. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? And how you you applaud the creativity of the filmmaker for being able to scare you with characters who are certainly not designed to do that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. He, he clearly used a whole load of mods because when I was looking at his credit list, he kind of got a whole, you know, a whole bunch of things that he'd imported or used in the editing of, I think it's probably a better description of it. So quite how he did that, I don't really know. The uh, the game has this feature where you can customize textures and things, and then you can share them with its own built-in um, online service. So uh, you, you can draw something, uh, basically it's pixel art, and um, then you upload it and you get a, a QR code so you can share that with your friends and there are whole websites out there um, dedicated to collecting QR codes for all these different designs. Wow. Um, yeah. Help me understand something, Damien. Now, it was my understanding that the Animal Crossing was originally released on N Nintendo, I think. And I believe so. So he created it on Twitch, which is a 
device that uses Nintendo technology? Yeah, it's basically a Nintendo console. Um, so you had the Wii and then they had the Wii U. But then the latest one is the, the Switch. Uh, and so the, the main unit, there's two different versions of the console. There's one where you have this base, which you plug into the TV, and then you kind of have this tablet with controllers on each side, which you can pull out, and you can sit down and just look at the screen. You can take it, if you want to go somewhere, you can take it with you, and it's a portable device. Otherwise, you can plug it into the back into the dock and then watch it on TV. I see. Uh, yeah, and then there's just the handheld one, which is it's a smaller device, but it, the hardware is identical, so you can play exactly the same games and do, has all the other same capabilities as the, the main one. I'd like to know his workflow and background on this. I think I'm going to contact him and see if I can't work out a, an interview with him to find out more. Because I've been really intrigued with being able to make machinima on iPads and mobile devices, and I'd like to learn more about it. I'd be interested to see as well. Phil, what were your thoughts? Uh, I loved it. I was, I was caught completely by surprise. I, of course, first saw the title when you shared it on our board, and I thought, Animal Crossing? Because I'd seen it when it first came out. My kids were nuts for it, and I just kind of watched it, and it, it kind of felt like that it was taking place in animation you'd see on like a children's television show or something, you know? It reminded Sesame me of this, Street or something. This old show, uh, Little Einsteins. This, th- these just cartoonish characters with the big heads and expressive faces and all that, and I just thought, well, I'm glad you guys are liking it, but Dad, you want to play too? Uh <laughs> No. <laughs> so I, I wasn't expecting much. And I was my my experience was the same as you described, Ricky. Fifteen minutes later, it's like, wow, I could not take my eyes off the screen. It's wonderfully done. And a surprising amount of polish for what, you know, for the kind of movie that it is. It's beautiful, you know. Uh you know, once you if you accept the aesthetic that that game presents, then it, it's rather gorgeous within those uh, within that definition. It's it's yeah, it was, it was nicely done. Strangely, I don't think it would work if you did it in a game that you'd expect that kind of story to be told in. I think you're right. Like if you used um, a sci-fi uh, game, it just wouldn't have captured our attention quite the same way. That's a good point, Damien. Yeah. Yeah, I think that juxtaposition is part of what elevates it. Absolutely. I also don't think it would work if you didn't have the same kind of sound design with it as well. Mm. Mm. Because um, I think it's sound design that really pulls it together. Well, if I get this interview, uh, that's one of the things I'll ask him, Tracy, is his work on the sound. thank Pinky's Pizza for providing all those great cheese pizzas. <laughs> we threw in the RC Cola out of our own pockets. Now, did you keep the receipts, Tip? Yep, I got them right here. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> all right, let's get this shit over with so we can get back to the party. <clears throat> <clears throat> the 
This last year was great for Machinima Pimp. This phony virus crap actually did us a lot of good because people stayed at home. And you want to know what they were doing? They were watching our shit on V2. Hey, Tip, what was our total percentage views for the channel? 12,745,821 eight as of two minutes ago. It's probably up by a few thousand in the last few minutes. Sweet. <laughs> and what was the top show for us? <laughs> Slap those big and bouncies. It's led all other programming by 154 percentage points. <laughs> a big congrats to Luis and Kenny for coming up with that genius idea. Come on, stand up and take a bow. Nice work. Now, Tip's going to give us a brief, and I mean brief, financial report. Take it away, Tip. All right, everybody. <laughs> look at this graph. <laughs> no, seriously. Have a look at this graph I put together. Now, this figure here, we'll just call this the whole. That's our content creators. Our chipmunks, you see? <laughs> and this figure here, this represents Chip and I. Our <laughs> investment. <laughs> hey, Tip, that figure representing us looks a bit phallic. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Chip. That's exactly right. So every single day, we're putting our investment into our chipmunks. <laughs> day... After day, after day, oh, you get the idea. Is it getting hot in here or what? Is it just me? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Okay, let's get down to the nitty gritty. This year, it's all about maximizing ROI and BV with the fiduciary by rebalancing our asset allocation and manipulating our EBITDA and FCF to offset our 295% debt increase to maximize our EPS, which is benefited by our non-GAAP approach to GL and the PNL in hopes of a better IPO, maintaining ambiguity as far as C2B versus B2B, keeping off the radar of the PCAOB, sidestepping Sarbanes-Oxley, all without the SEC redirecting their BOOT into RASS. No idea what he just said. But it was beautiful. <laughs> Tip Vichy Squad, ladies and gentlemen, CFO of Machinima Pin. <laughs> now, the two of us have decided that because Machinima Pimp is making so much money, we're going to share some of that with you. I am officially announcing a $25 bonus per year for everyone. And we're making the water free from now on. You like that? <laughs> okay. All right. Now, with all that shit out of the way, let's get to the real reason we're here. We need new programming. The only way we're going to stay on top of BTube is to make new shows to feed the advertising beast. Uh, I mean, <laughs> to feed our fans. <laughs> Mike, tell me what you got. I'm thinking user-venerated cognition. Hmm, that's it, interesting. I saw, this, I saw this TED Talk. This guy put on this VR goggles. He put some DMT, I think, in his ears. And he started pop-locking. He said he was autistic. And the kids went crazy. I, we need to get VR, 8K, uh, 360. Uh, yeah. Whew. 
Well, it's weird as hell, but I like it. Weird is good. All right. One thing I, I want to say here, I want to start doing some live action shit too. Now all this cartoony machinima crap is all right for kids, but let's do some adult stuff with real live everyday people. People like well-endowed women and fast driving men, you know? Elliot, hey, what do you got? Give me something real, but uh, you know, not too real. I um, imagine using a war-related game like Halo. But instead of the military dialogue like, hey, let's go blow up the red team, we'll have more of, um, uh, more of an absurdist existential feel of the lines. Like um, Beckett, you know, the with what? all the boredom that soldiers face, they relieve their fears by speculating on the meaning of existence and their that what? purpose in their lives. I think it'd be a very funny show, and you could use black humor to drive the plot. What the fuck are you talking about? That idea's crap. I've half a mind to hold back the $25 bonus for such a screwy idea. I'll never get off the ground. Not with our audience. All right, if that's it, let's get the music on and get this party started again. Hey, Tip, drink out that free water bottle, huh? Tip, get rid of that son of a bitch, Elliot. I want him out of here today. You got it, Chip. Let's have some fun. Well, Damien, you had, a, frankly for me, a very unusual pick as well. I think yes. if there was anything below the list of engines, I would guess we'd see interesting content come from. Uh, Flight Simulator 10 <laughs> wouldn't rank high on that. Tell us tell us about what you found. Um, so I've been, it's a film called uh, Bomb Threat by um, Air Force Proud 95 and I've been following his videos for quite some time and he what he does is he plays Flight Simulator X and I don't know if he stages it or if he just lets the other players have fun and sees what happened but he himself is a qualified pilot so he knows all of the terminology he knows all the procedures and in a lot of his streams in a lot of his videos he acts like he's taking it deadly seriously. And th for me, the humor of it is how he interacts with people who have absolutely no idea what they're doing. And, and this video, uh, Bontra, is a perfect example of this. But he is the pilot of the plane contacting air traffic control, requesting permission to take off from the airport he's at. And... The other people doing the air traffic control have absolutely no idea what they're doing. And they're, they're trying to say that it's their first day on the job. <laughs> and there's this banter going backwards and forwards between them uh, until it gets to a point where uh, one of them mentions something about a bomb in the airport. <laughs> and obviously he knows what the correct procedures would be if, um, if there actually was a bomb threat at the airport and they're telling him to take off. He said, no, he can't do that. You've got to unload the passengers and all this kind of stuff. And it just goes downhill from there. And all of his videos are like this, but like along those lines, sometimes he's a pilot. Sometimes he's in air traffic control. 
talking to pilots who have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> and um, But this is the one I decided to choose, and it was a very hard decision to make because there are so many good videos that he's made to choose from. So I'd be very interested to know what you guys thought of it. Well, I, you know, I didn't know he was a pilot, but but one of the things I thought was I don't know how the guy managed to stay in character for so much of the time. Yes, yes. And, and, and clearly... He's not in character. That is him, which is brilliant. So I yeah. thought he's either he's either you know very dedicated to it, is a pilot, or is totally addicted to this player, which I, which I thought was brilliant. But for for me, the absolute star of this one was actually the dog, <laughs> <laughs> who clearly had a major role directing the narrative, which which I thought was very impressive. Um, so you know he goes from being. Um, what what is it? Bomb squad to attack squad to bring your pet to work asset to you know being sat at home. He really is the star of that particular um, yeah. Yeah. that particular one. I thought I thought it was really 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 well done. Um, and I suppose really the other thing to say about this is, in, in my view, there are kind of two very different types of let's play. Maybe there are more, but two that I can di- differentiate between. One where the the player's character drives it. But I didn't think that was this one. I thought this was an example of the other one where the the gameplay immersion drives it. Um, So, you know, I think, um, yeah, it is an example of Let's Play, but it's kind of a different one to some of the ones that we've, um, I can't remember the one, um, Phil, that you talked about a couple of episodes back, where it was all about that that person um, playing the game. Um, He was in The Sims. Oh, the Um, Labyrinth one. Yes, yes, that's it, yes. But this is a slightly different sort of let's play to that, I think. Great, great, though. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for um, putting it up there. A million views. It had 1,400,000 views, that particular episode, which just astounded me uh, in it. the Obviously, the comedy, the improv comedy in it was of a high order. I mean, with background of professional acting, I know what improv is and being able to do cold improv like that is hard. And, you know, you mentioned Tracy, the guy being able to keep himself under control. That is not as an easy thing to do. And that guy was just brilliant at it. Absolutely brilliant. Just wide range of indignation and annoyance and outright anger and hostility and acceptance and rejection. I mean, at one point, I think he says, I'm going to put you on report. And the guys talk him out of doing it, you know, (laughs) That all was just peerless. What disappointed me was the inattention to any visual elements in the film. I mean, they didn't even make a token effort to film any sort of parallel visual story. I mean, I'm not asking for a shot every you know, every other, whenever a subject changes, but at least a a shot of them taxiing out or coming back, a wide shot. They just stayed on two shots, the entire thing. Now, I suppose that works for a million and 400,000 people, but I'm the guy (laughs) underneath the bridge. And I just thought that part of it sucked. And uh, I thought it was stupid for them not to at least add some elements to that. But obviously, a million and a half people disagree with me. There are some other his other videos where he does start learning how to do that, and he's mixing up the, sh- the shots with the f- different um, 
uh, camera angles to show. But well, I wish they would have done that in this one because it would have made it much more. It would have made it more believable. It would have added a little bit more reality to it. You know what I mean? As it was, it was sort of a still picture with a voice. You know, you didn't even need the visuals. You know, there is no audio equivalent to the community and environment of YouTube, right? So somebody has a song to release or whatever. And the focus is the audio and they'll just release it on YouTube because that's where people are. But often it's just a still image of the album cover or whatever. And I kind yeah. of feel like that that was this, that the audio was the main thing, you know, the, the, that crank call aspect uh, of it uh. was, was really the, the main product. And then it's a matter of, well, let's distribute this where, where people can see it. So, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that still image we saw wasn't added after the fact, you know, mm. just as to put something there. And it is, it's a minimal effort situation. Um, the audio was the main work. Like I think we've all acknowledged that the, what went on there was really, that was the production. So I'm, I'm, I enjoyed that part of it and I'm encouraged and excited to hear that it sounds like he's starting to, to, to reach into some other areas to turn these into actual visual pr visual productions as well. Cause I think there's some, some real talent there. So I'm looking forward Me to too. that. You know, I'm actually relieved to hear you say that, that he is a real pilot because you kind of think, you know, you, you hear about people learning how to fly using <laughs> these, these simulators and, what, and whatnot. And you kind of think of all the flights that you've sat on where you've heard that voice, that same voice as you as yeah. Yeah. got in that, that video and the, and the fact that he is actually a pilot gives you a little bit of comfort. Yeah. <laughs> There's a certain tone, a certain tone in the way he speaks, yeah. a certain yeah. almost commanding he's got kind it. of, yeah, he's yeah. got it down pat. Yeah. Yeah. Tone and a cadence. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's some uh, live action videos he's got on his channel where you see him flying real planes. Oh, um, good. Yeah. <laughs> so. I wanted to share with you uh, the Milan Machinima Festival does Every month they do a series of, of videos, and this month they chose, a, of course, a Grand Theft Auto, uh, Grand Theft Auto uh, Five video, and it's of a pilot who, which, and this is what made me think of it, a pilot who has a very bad day. He crashes on his drive into the airport. He gets on the plane. He goes out. He ends up crashing on something else. Now I have no idea how this equated to some sort of art piece in their minds, but it made me realize is that what the movie lacked was exactly what this uh, video that you chose Damien has, which is a sort of aliveness of, of, of story and of real human interaction and the sort of absurdity of people pretending to be experts on something that they're obviously not. So in a way, I would have substituted this movie in the Milan Machinima Festival for the other one, which is pretentious and and boring. Well, if you um if you enjoyed the humor but didn't necessarily enjoy the video alongside that, check out some of his other new, more recent videos, uh, and you, you you still get the humor, but then you get the other more cinematic elements to it as well. Like he, I will do that. He released one a, a few weeks ago where uh, a group of Pilots uh, trying to land 747 jets on aircraft carriers. <laughs> and, uh, with mixed oh. results. With mixed yes. results. Yes. Yes. My pick is not 
in an unusual engine this time around, but it is an unconventional use of that engine um, or not what, not what you would necessarily expect from Grand Theft Auto five. This is actually a, I'm going to call it a film, but it's a pair of films. One's called, uh, let's see, onto the land. And the other is called into the deep. And they are both kind of parodies of, you know, the David Attenborough nature documentary but filmed and created entirely within the world of Grand Theft Auto V. For me, they're as much a showcase of just the splendid diversity of of virtual life that they've put into that game that they, in my opinion, they went even further with it in Red Dead Redemption 2, which we could get into if we wanted to, but amazing variety of wildlife and scenery and the the geog geology i guess um just wonderful so it's it's very much a a, a creation of imitation you know it's which many people get their start in this thing by doing that by imitating existing art forms maybe they're imitating a commercial or a particular tv show or scene from a movie or whatever. This falls into that category. It's just a really well done one. And it doesn't quite fly in the face of, of GTA as much as we feel like the animal crossing movie did in terms of, you know, going against expectations really strongly, but it, but it kind of does. And uh, I just really enjoyed it. I, I, I think this was actually originally referred to me by you, Ricky. And I ended up nabbing it as a pick of mine because I just loved it so much. But uh, what did you guys think? I loved it. I was very impressed with it. Um, one of the things that I, I particularly admired in the creativity of the director was, whereas the game is an urban game, essentially, this is a, a documentary set in rural areas of the design. And it just shows you how unique the game is because obviously – this person didn't want to go in running pedestrians over or fighting the police or doing a bank heist or serial killing or anything like that. He went out and he explored the oceans nearby and underneath that it was actually peopled with uh, uh, fish and different types of marine life. And he went out on the, the slopes of the hills and living here in um, Los Angeles I do a lot of uh, walking and hiking up in those areas, and they got it down pat. There's a certain lonely quality to it out there. The wind is constant, um, and yet the visuals are absolutely beautiful. You can see all the way out to the ocean. So I was really impressed with the fact that the guy, in a way, he did work outside of the constricts of the game because the game, like I said, is focused on police, crime, that's what most people do. And yet there are these other aspects of it that are just equally as well designed. Now, when I first started watching it, I thought it was a satire because of the uh, narrator's excellent impersonation of Richard Attenborough, Sir Richard Attenborough, who has a very particular kind of cadence. Um, I won't try it myself because it's, mm-hmm. it's not an easy one to get. But I went back and I listened to several Richard Attenborough narrated a nature doctor reason. This guy has got it down pat. He also has got the writing down pat. 
the sort of crisis, the sort of scene of crisis between the hunter and the prey, the innocent victim and how sad that is. And yet we have to move on. That's nature. Then they move on. You know what I mean? Then he moves on to another element. I mean, he's just got that perfectly uh, down pat. And then I realized that it's not satire. It's an homage to that kind of thing. So what he does is a magical creation of, of moving from satire into an original creation based on something that he knows really well, which is he probably is a big watcher and a lover of, of those nature documentaries. And he wanted to do one, an imaginary documentary, which actually, it, it actually becomes a nature documentary not a parody of one, not a satire of one. Um, in the second one, um, there w- which is underneath, and which is slightly less, less successful than the first one, I think, because he looks through, he uses this device of this underwater machine that, you, that he does a point of view. And sometimes that sort of restricts the, the range of what you can actually see. And then he uh, sometimes has this odd person who's swimming, and you think, well, how in the world can they be down there so long? You know what I mean? But then you just give it, give it up. But the thing is, is there was a scene in which a young killer, uh, killer whale with a pot of killer whales, and the, they're teaching the killer whale how to dive and feed, and the calf doesn't manage it and gets the bends, and ends up being at the top near the water, and the mother keeps trying to encourage the 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 young killer calf to come with them and it won't and he has a saying and well it's another sad story of natural selection you know and then he moves on but not in a comic way i mean there's genuine i love animals and i it, it really pains me when i see animals who die and who are are a victim of nature's natural selection and so I was thinking, oh, here I am watching a documentary made in Grand Theft Auto V in which I'm near tears over the this sort of half <laughs> nice rendered scene of a killer calf. What better work can you do than that as a, as a storyteller? What better work can you do than that? So I just loved him. And I, I'm a real big fan of uh, 8-Bit Bastard, the guy that uh, created I assume it's a guy. Yeah, Alec Cheney. Ah, okay. I just love them. I thought they were fantastic, and I'm, and I'm really glad you picked them, Phil. Five years old, that's the bit that, um, uh, you know, I picked up on, the fact that these were five years old. And it's proper David Attenborough style, proper, you know, for the like you said, the voice, the the cadence and the whole lot. But But the narration is very much in Los Santos and Blaine County, hmm. in, the, in the game. Hmm. Um, because you know he doesn't quite get get the descriptions right, but absolutely yeah. wonderful. And the bit again that makes it is the music. He uses it in such a dramatic That's right. way to That's right. you know, to convey to convey the um, you know the, the 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 cougar going on the kill, and uh, you know and the and the death of the the killer whale calf and and all of that kind of stuff. It's it's all done through the soundscape design as well, and it's beautifully done. I think yeah. that side of it notwithstanding the visuals. I looked this guy up. He had a two-and-a-half-year hiatus between right, um, you know, creating these, and he's just um, released a load of stuff 
um, that he's created in Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, um, so oh, I think awesome. that's quite interesting. I'm going to look at that. Um, although probably now he's going to be a victim of some of the things that you were talking about earlier mm. today, um, uh, Phil, which will be a, a real shame, I think. But, yeah, I love this stuff. It was, um, yeah, I almost cried too at it. It was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a similar reaction. Um, that whale scene really got to me. And I, I get, like the rest of you, I was really impressed that he managed to uh, take the, he's obviously a big fan of the Azure documentaries and he's sort of recreated that perfectly. And one of the other things I came to mind when I was watching it was GTA kind of presents itself as a living world. So you can imagine the characters in that world sitting down to watch TV and this documentary would be what they're watching. <laughs> Ah, ah. Right. Or you could go into a, you know, you could watch if you, as playing as a playing as a character, you go in and you could watch it on TV, and because it, it's exploring the virtual world in a way that, that those characters in that world would find interesting. Huh. That's like an interesting point. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what was going else was going through my mind. Uh, I don't know what else I can say other than I really enjoyed both of these uh, two films. Um, and I really like the, the the way they captured the Attenborough style. Uh, I was a big fan of Attenborough as well. And you guys already said what I would say. So I'll just be repeating what you said. So I wonder whether he created a script based on his explorations or he explored and then a script came out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, one inside out, outside in kind of thing. I suspect that he was probably exploring and saw all this stuff and said, well, I like Attenborough. Or maybe he just started doing his, improvising his own Attenborough thing and said, well, hey, I could make a faux documentary out of this. Anyway, it'd be interesting to find out. I, th- I mean, the other thing to say, of course, is the ambient sounds of the game are really quite incredible, aren't they? I mean, I think you've they already sure said are. that. The, the, the bird song, the environmental sounds, the water. Like, I'm guessing that's also... Um, out of the game, you could you can kind of almost smell the land. It's so beautiful. And as as mm-hmm. the as the producer says, no no mods were used in the making of the of the the films, particularly in Red Dead Redemption Two. You must have a look at those. He's he's created something called the Five States, which is a, a documentary series, um, which is Very cool. which is kind of wonderful as well. But you know the soundscape's beautiful. I think I'll definitely check those out. Thanks for the tip, Tracy. So every once in a while, actually, it seems like every episode where we discuss films, we give one person what we call their gratuitous second pick. So by default, we all pick just one movie, then one person will get to pick two. And it's just kind of whoever has multiple picks, this this month it's me. And in keeping with the theme of serious homages, uh, I found... <laughs> a documentary film that uh, talks about chiropractic medicine. (laughs) And it is called (laughs) The Benefits of Chiropractic Medicine. The the title, the full title is longer than that. But uh, this is a movie made in Gary's Mod. And it starts off as, well, the whole thing, kind of plays like a long form television commercial. Right. But 
playing into some of the very zany kinds of poses and, and movements and animations that you can do in Gary's Mod. There's really nothing that looks quite like Gary's Mod when, when someone's using it in that way. Um, obviously, Gary's Mod can be used to do stuff that doesn't look cartoonish and wacky. Uh, this, guy, this guy went the other way a, a bit. And so it's this uh, very... Satirical is not the right word. Cynical. Um, sarcastic mm-hmm. uh, portrayal of this chiropractor. And then he, of course, actually goes through the scenes of doing the chiropractic on this person with just these crazy contortions and just delicious foley of some kind of sounds like you grabbed like uh, several stalks of celery, fresh right. celery. And <laughs> right. You know, as the guy yeah. is getting his back worked on. And I'm watching this thing and I'm just thinking, what in the world is this? Then there's a second phase of the movie where it's these, these two Australian young men kind of like a reality TV type of interview of, Oh, this doctor is so great. And, and then there's a third section and I'm going to just tell everybody right now, watch the first section of this movie because the first section is hysterical and plays into all that weird quirky animation. The second it's kind of a throwaway. If you don't know what he's specifically referring to there, which I'll get into, it you could you could take it or leave it. The third one, it's like if you've ever watched Family Guy, where they take a joke deliberately too far. You know, the humor goes too far. It's too gross or too over the top or whatever. This falls in that category. It's just tasteless. I'm not even going to describe it. Um, you know, it obviously didn't get the video in any kind of trouble on YouTube, so it's not, you know, X-rated or anything. But just, I just found it in very poor taste. But forget about that. Just, just, just cut that off and just, just set that over here. And this first part is hilarious. So even if you don't know what it's referring to, that first section to me was just the best that Gary's mod can offer in terms of just that, that crazy zaniness. Let me real quick, before I get some, re- some reaction from you guys on the film, let me tell you the bizarre coincidence that led me to understand what this video is referring to, because honestly, okay. So there's a phrase where you say something is that's above my pay grade. What is that phrase when we're talking about the age of a person? Because basically, I'm way too old to be someone who should understand this. But because of something I happened to watch just prior to this film, I get it. In fact, maybe that's why it turned up in my list or something. There's a YouTuber by the name of Leon Lush. And he does, uh, he's a, I want to say 30-something guy who does 
commentary on other stuff going on on the internet. This audience is generally going to be younger than, than the group I fall into. And I admire his craft. He's good at what he does. He's kind of crass, um, very bombastic display. Um, and he's successful. So, you know, I've kind of, he's one of the people that I, I watch to just kind of study and learn from and all that. Anyway, he did a video exposing a pair of young Australian YouTubers who had done a series of videos a few years ago where they basically got on there and pretended, pretended that one of them was terminally ill for clickbait purposes, really kind of revolting. And so he's doing this expose on that. And they ended up doing a video in that series where they went from Australia, I think they were in Perth, uh, to the U.S., West Coast, Los Angeles area somewhere, and went to visit a chiropractor because, quote, this chiropractor can cure any disease. Yeah. They were serious <laughs> and trying to sell this as an idea. And they showed being in that guy's office and he's saying, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, he, there are legit chiropractors out there. OK, they can do remarkable things for people. And then there's the quacks, which are part of all parts of the medical industry, I think. Chiropractors tend to get a bad rap, but they're, they're good people in that field. This guy's not one of them. This is a kook who was overselling his shaman-like abilities. This is all real, like for this, this video. And so Leon Lush's video is exposing that fraud. This Gary's Mod chiropractor video is further satirizing those guys who did that, who faked the uh. illness and got it cured by a chiropractor, um, supposedly. I see. Uh, so that's where this all comes from. It's just this kind of raging disgust against this, for lack of a better word, malpractice. It kind of, it's, it gets so angry near the end, near the, the section that I'd not recommend watching, that it makes me think not only did the maker of this film hear about that, but it feels like, you know, that they or maybe one of their, their relatives also got taken advantage of by chiropractor because this guy really wants to line him up against the wall, basically. Yeah. So anyway, so that's the story that at least explains the second section. Those two guys in this movie, oh, this is great. That's them. I mean, it sounds just like them, looks like them too. Wow. So, but you don't even need to know that to enjoy the first part, in my opinion. What did you guys think? Well, I, I have to say, Bat quacks are a thing uh, here in, in the UK too. And I think it makes the point very nicely about the science used by these bat quacks. It's wonderful. It's really, it's very, really, very nicely done. Like you say, I um, forget the end part. It's it's not pleasant to see at all. Even even in, in uh, the humorous way it seems to be put across, I didn't really find it very funny. I did think the Australians were quite comical. Um, <laughs> but it, but um, to me, what they were doing was stereotyping Australians as well, which I 
I, I thought was uh, particularly funny as well. Um, so, yeah, those first two bits really worked for me, but the last bit didn't. Yeah, the same. Um, the last bit, I was almost like, why are we watching this? But, of course, the first two bits are where uh, the, the real humour lies. Actually, when I started watching it, uh, just before I started watching it, I was feeling a bit of stiffness in my back, and I thought this might be interesting just to see how far they go with it. And then uh, very quickly started thinking, nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be seeing this doctor at all. <laughs> no. I had seen this film um, a couple months ago. Uh, it came up in one of my Google searches, and I watched it, and I really liked it. But because of the uh, transgressive vulgarity of the last section, which I'll go ahead and name in just a minute. Uh, I just didn't think it was appropriate pick for us. So I'm really yeah. glad to see that you stooped to the low bar, <laughs> <laughs> Phil, because it gives me a feeling of sort of self <laughs> superiority in my taste. So thanks. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for, choosing that film um now everybody's <laughs> everybody's gonna be wondering well, what the hell is it it's the beating of a baby they bring a baby in and he's gonna do it and it's done very comically there's no blood there's no actual shots of him hitting the baby um uh, at the end when they sort of hurls the baby uh, chair or carriage aside you don't even see any anything in it. In fact, the baby is, I've watched it several times. The baby giggles all the way through it, laughs through it. It would have been much funnier if the guy would have chosen to have the baby beat the shit out of the chiropractor or keep jumping and being missed all the time. You could include it. But when he steps into that arena, it's just chaseless and vulgar. Just, just doesn't work at all. Yeah. Um, the guy is a, a talented filmmaker and it's interesting that Gmod which is still alive even after what, 15 years now, 20 years as a free, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. pretty much a near free dollar 99 to 99 from steam. It encourages this farce creation of slapstick farce comedy. Now, a lot of people see the Marx brothers. They see the three stooges and they go, Oh, well, I could do that in my sleep. Try it. Yeah. You can't. One of my things is in actor training was farce, learning how to do farce. I never really got it down, even with a master's degree from a major drama school, because it is, for one thing, it's very physical. It's high energy, and it requires perfect timing in order to make something funny. People, yeah. people, in, with a, people who watch farce or or that kind of slapstick comedy know what that timing is, but they don't know how to recreate it. You know what I mean? So if you get it wrong, it's not funny. You get it right. It's funny. This person using Gary's mod, which is perfect for that because it doesn't have a built in lip sync. So you have to physically move the mouse, take a picture and then move the mouse mouth. So he went through the entire thing and moved this guy's mouth in absurd shapes to fit the, which is funny in and of itself. 
And his timing on all of the incredible physical, you know, when you do an adjustment, he did these impossible adjustments on this guy, you know, where, <laughs> where bones, hip bones don't go in that direction. And then, of course, he has the broken celery or the dropped melon, you know, or the crackled bone. And it's just so funny. Uh, the guy's skill at being able to recreate that is just terrific. And then the voice acting, I thought was excellent. That that sort of nasally voice for the doctor and that sort of self-aware kind of, I don't know how to describe it, sort of leering at the camera like, hey, I am so good and you're going to come and <laughs> give me your money. You know what I mean? It has that yeah. low rent quality that you see on late night television. Um so I thought it was just absolutely marvelous and cut out that last scene with the baby or change it around. It would have worked perfectly. He also has an interesting let's play narrative series called Jack's mind, which he shot inside of Bioshock, huh. um, which is a, a POV of a player going through a, the Bioshock story going, God damn, it's so wet in here. Why, why am I, what the hell is this? You know? He goes through the whole thing. It's like um, Freeman's mind. Uh, he yeah, probably yeah, yeah. took it from Freeman's mind, but it's Jack's mind. It's very, very funny. Uh, he also has amusing uh, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Um, he uses Jedi Academy machinima, which you might find of interest. He's a very talented filmmaker, and it, I wanted to know why he went off the rails on the, the baby thing. He answers that in a... Very short video he did called Why I've Been Away from the Channel for So Long. And it's him in his sort of studio with all of his, his uh, equipment and, and all of that. And then in the corners is a crib with the very same baby that's in this video, in that video. And the guy basically says, well, you know, I had a family and it cost me. And while this is going on, the baby starts making noises. And so he has to speak up louder over the baby. Pretty soon the baby just goes wild and starts whirling around, destroying the entire room around him, including all of his uh, movie equipment, all of his computers, just trashes everything and ends up back in this broken uh, cradle. Going, blah, 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 blah. And he says, so that's why I've been away for so long. <laughs> <laughs> so now what you, what, what that tells me is that he allowed his, uh, excuse me for being a doctor here, but he allowed that unconscious hostility towards a baby who's demanding more attention than he wants to give to come out in the making of this machinima. And he probably shouldn't have. But at least I understand what the source of it is. Because if you watch this baby video, it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. So it's not that he has hostility towards babies. It's that fatherhood thing, which, Phil, I'm sure you know, which is like sometimes you just want to strangle the kids as opposed to patting them on the head, you know. So check him out. He's, his name is uh, Mr. Uh, McFlubberpants is the uh, director's name. A great name which gives you a cute clue to the kind of uh, point of view he has, but he, he's hilarious. It's very, very funny, very, very funny stuff. All right. Well, that'll wrap up our films discussion for this month. I'll remind everyone again of the fact that we crave your feedback and interaction. And there are many different ways you can do that. 
If you go to our website, completelymachinima.com, click the talk button in the menu at the top, you'll see the various methods that you can contact us by email, by text, by kind of a voicemail thingy. No one's used that yet. We really like someone to use that. Well, we will air your voicemail on the air if you want. And we've got a Discord server full of crickets. Welcome to drop something there. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Don't DM us on Twitter. There's only one of us maintaining that, managing that account, and that will get seen last. But everywhere else, we got multiple eyes on it. We'd love to hear from you. I'd like to thank my hosts, uh, co-hosts Tracy, Damien, and Ricky. My pleasure. Bye. Again, great choices this week, guys. I always yeah. love yes. your film choices. Very enjoyable. Thank you. We will see you at the next episode where we, uh, well, the next episode will be an interview with a filmmaker. And then we will do an episode on some machinima discussion. So have a great afternoon or great evening or great morning. Or if you're on Mars, whatever you guys have figured out to, to, to tell time there. So long. Have a great. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> see you next time. Bye. Bye. Looking. Bye.